Welcome to the Be Brilliant People podcast with your host, me, Mike Bedford. Hello and uh, welcome to the latest version of the Well and D podcast, which we're now into season two. Um, wow, what a milestone. Uh, and I'm delighted for my first episode of season two to be joined by Ruth Gawthorpe. Hello, Ruth. Hello there. How are you? Uh, I'm really good, thank you. And uh, welcome to the Well and D podcast for the second season of the show. I'm really looking forward to this, Mike. <laughs> you, you and me both and our listeners uh, too. Um, so, Ruth, just by way of a quick introduction, and I'll ask you to kind of uh, explain in a bit more detail about what you do. But obviously, we know each other through LinkedIn and we've built that relationship through 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 LinkedIn, which has, has been really great. And I've got to know you over a couple of years now. Um, but in terms of what you do and who you are, Ruth, I, I know this is this is what I see, that you're a leader in the field of smart working, transformation and lots of experience and leadership uh, skills in the field of HR and, and, and people more broadly. Uh, but for the benefit of our listeners, would you like to explain a little bit more detail about what what you do and, and, and who you are? Yes, of course. Of course, Matt. Yeah. So um, I am um, an ex-HR director uh, by trade working for some large organisations. Um, so I was HR director for HCL Technologies uh, for um, uh, other organisations, Cytel. Um, so my background is is largely outsourcing and people. And um, about 20 years ago, uh, when I was working for a company called Domestic and General, I was head of HR there. Um, that's where we started to implement implement smart working um, and we started off with something called the gym team because the calls had dropped off between 12 and 2. <clears throat> so um, that that was the first foray into smart working and that, that's actually where I met my co-founder Ollie Thompson who I work with on the smart working revolution now. Um, uh, I After I finished as HRD with, with HCL um, I, I finished there because I wanted to go into transformation. I was really enjoying the offshoring, the outsourcing, the transformation through people. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I had an operation on my back and it went wrong. And so I ended up in a wheelchair. I've not been able to move my right foot since that day. And what it made me realise, Mike, was how many people can't do the commute. Mm. And that's because... Yeah. They might be parents, they might be disabled like me, they might be carers or they might live in remote areas of the of the country. Um, yeah. And so it was out of that, really, that Ollie and I decided to form the Smart Working Revolution and, and build on all of the stuff that we'd done in the in the past around, you know, some of the smart working that we'd implemented over the years. But also yeah. this transformation stuff, this change management, which is required as you move into a smart, smart um a smart workforce. Yeah. So that's a bit about me. Oh, and I live in Cornwall. And it's a beautiful. I've seen some of your photos. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm very envious to be honest. Oh, Even though I, I I live in a beautiful place too, Yorkshire. Um, yes, you do. I, I am very envious of, of of the Cornish coast and and, and Cornwall and and that that kind of area of the world. And do plan uh, at some point on visiting. 
Good. So maybe we can maybe we can have a coffee in real life at some point. We definitely will do. In the future, along yeah. with my kids and my family and everything yeah. else. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a pirate ship in the field. They'll love it. Absolutely, especially my little boy. Will he's he's absolutely obsessed with pirates. So yeah, there that, you go. He, You're be welcome. in the right place. You'd be in the right place. <laughs> um, before we get into it, um, Ruth, I think you know this is we had a little kind of preamble chat, didn't we? And I talked to you a little bit about what this show's all about and the authenticity, and that this is about people and um, doing yeah. real things, making changes in the people space. That's that that's what this is about. This show. Um, I wondered if you might just kind of share with um, w- with our listeners uh, potentially what some of the, the challenges have been for you um, over the last 18 months, two years, and how have you found that and how have you kind of overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, so I think for us, we saw it coming. Um, we thought that there'd, there'd be something that would um, tip the balance so we'd mm. been banging the drum on smart working, as you know, for a number of years. Mm. Mm. We thought there was going to be something that would tip the balance. We didn't realise the severity of of yeah. what was going to happen. I mean, it was incredible. The 23rd of March 2020, um, <clears throat> it was terrible for, for some organisations and obviously dreadful for, for lots of people in this world. Um for us it was a real tipping point in terms of um people understanding that they've got to work differently and think differently Mm. so uh, Mm. it was a bit like christmas day in a way because all of a sudden the world recognized that it had got to take a leap of faith trust people to work remotely Mm. uh never mind part-time or flexibly remotely Mm. you know that big Mm. thing that everybody Mm. every other leader was so worried about Mm. what we also found was that we'd done quite a lot of work with some big organizations prior to that so we'd implemented um smart working for example into parts of which uh into parts of saga um Mm. into a number of different councils uh, around the country and what happened there was people were those leaders were ringing us and saying thank the lord we invested thank you ruth yeah and those who um who who were uh, private sector were saying actually this has kept us ahead of the competition so thank you very much mm. more then, enlightened leaders yeah. perhaps yeah they were they were the they were the they were the groundbreaking ones the thoughtful leaders the the people who saw that there there was going to be um mm. a need mm. to attract and retain uh, the best people um even for us you know um, um we're we're pretty skilled at, at dealing with the online and the virtual stuff but even for mm. ollie and i there was a learning curve because we are used to delivering in a blended manner and we're going back mm. a bit back to that now to be honest yeah. Mark, you know as, as yeah. things open up a bit um because it's good to it's good to be in a room with people every so often yeah but even for us we had to learn how to make zoom work for us Mm. how to you know work those breakout rooms how to Mm. get your point across in a Mm. in a zoom meeting and um and so it it was those were the challenges for us and and actually how we could um how we could 
bring in new business without getting in front of people and really understanding their product and their passion and their people and that side mm. that side of things mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we did we managed it um mm. and just like you know many other organizations we had to pivot just just like mm. uh, so many leaders had to do um mm. so yeah lots of learning uh, lots of learning curves i, th- I think one of the thing that, that that I saw right at the beginning was that those leaders who hadn't thought it through in advance uh, were like rabbits in the headlight. Mm. Um, and then gradually I began to see them catching up some time mm. around sort of June, July last year. Mm. <clears throat> the thing that worries me going forward, Mike, is that they, they say that something like two thirds of leaders don't have a proper plan for the the their future mm. workforce they're just letting it evolve mm. and that mm. that is scary because you're letting your culture evolve as well and you've got to be mm. in in control of your culture and where you're going to get the best people mm. from you know so mm. um, those that are investing now are the ones that are going to attract and retain the best people mm. um and then you know, in just in other parts of life, if you if you think about it, two years ago, if you felt poorly, you'd have gone and sat in the doctor's surgery with a shed load of other poorly people. I mean, you absolutely would not do that now. It's changed. It's changed the way that we operate. And and you know that I've always said we used to sit on the bus, the train, in the car, going in on the same motorway into the same town or the same city, mm. get into the office. And what we would do then, we'd, we'd email mm. the person next to us. Mm. It was mm. it was bizarre. You know, you look at it now and you think, mm. why, why did we allow ourselves to be conditioned in that way? But we had done. We'd allowed ourselves to be conditioned mm. for decades to do that. Mm. And, what, and why do you think that was the case, though, Ruth? Well, I think that, you know, there's a lot of large organisations that have made quite a lot of money out of the commute. Um, mm. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a history um, geek uh, and I'm reading a, a book at the moment called The History of the Commute. And, and it's fascinating the way mm. that we've been channelled into, you know, I was talking to somebody who used to live in Surbiton. She's now moved back down to Cornwall. Surbiton was one of the first um, one of the first commuter um uh, uh, towns um, mm. that was built mm. to take people from the commuter belt into the city to work and of course mm. it was a money-making thing things often mm. evolve around money don't they and let's face it yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely um and i wonder just just because obviously a lot of the talk when we talk about future ways of working roof is it often i think incorrectly um, but I'm interested to hear your reflections on it. it. Evolves into a kind of work from home, work from office debate, right? You know, yeah. What are your thoughts and reflections on that? And is the right is that the right way to kind of look at the situation that we're in? No, it's really black and white, isn't it? And and then you get on on the other side, you get the, these people banging the drum on the four day week. Well, you know the the whole. Um, idea that we have in terms of with smart working revolution is is to sit down with the leaders of an organization and say actually what do your customers need or what do your clients need because they pay the wages they pay our Mm. wages so Mm. that's where we start and and that opens up a whole 
myriad of options everything from location so is it working from home working from hub working from an office is it hybrid working is it distributed working are you all remote are you remote two days a week or three days a week or twice a month um, mm-hmm. and then all of those lovely options around around the four day week you know working 40 hours over a a four-day week, part-time mm-hmm. day, part-time week, annualised hours. Mm. Um, th- th- we have 50 different options in our workforce model. There's there's so many different options. Um, what, I, what, what makes me cringe is when I see organisations copying another organisation. You've got to think about what suits your customer and what suits your talent so that you mm. can att- attract and retain the best talent and therefore provide the best service um, mm. and that's mm. where organizations need to start Mike so yeah, yeah. they are yeah. seeing it as too black and white so many people and of course throw hybrid into the mix as well because that seems to be the pill doesn't it right now that we'll just call yeah. the solution hybrid yeah right but what does that actually mean what does hybrid actually mean and again what's driving that what need is driving that way of working um, yeah. and I think one of my observations, and, and again, I welcome your thoughts on this, are one of the arguments that's often um, used is well, that's OK for you to talk about working like this, right? Working flexibly and working smart working and working from home. But what about all those blue collar workers, those factory workers, hospitality, care staff that can't do that? Is this then a kind of thing of privilege that kind of us versus them as well? Well, no, because actually, if you if you look at the the options that are available, if you think about it, <clears throat> the four day week might suit quite nicely tradespeople. So there mm. are some roles where you've got to be present, <clears throat> and and that's obvious. You train drivers, you dentist, you know, unless mm. until we can get a dentist drone, um, <laughs> your plumbers. Might happen. Your, you never know. Well, it will do. Of course, it will. Uh, your plumbers, your electricians, your barmen, you know, mm. um, they 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 need to be present. But that doesn't mean that they can't have smart working options. And that's the difference mm. between a hybrid mm. workforce and a smart workforce. A smart mm. workforce says, OK, let's look at those people who have to be there in person mm. to deliver a service. And let's think about what flexible options we can give to them. Mm. We often we're often asked, you know, by organisations, well, is it fair if if only the people in the office can can work remotely from time to time and the other people mm. have got to be present? Well, you choose the job that you do, don't you? There is that element of it as well. Yeah. I think that has to be called out, doesn't it, as well? Yeah. That you go into a job and you full well understand that yeah. if that job requires me to be somewhere, I signed up for that job. I kind of knew what there was involved in that. Can I then turn around and go, well, actually, I want to work from home or I want to work remotely or I want to do this or I want to do that now. Yeah. Where there's the options built maybe within that to be able to do that, I think that should be explored, I think, like, is what you're saying. Yeah. But sometimes that's just not possible, is it, with all jobs? But then again, I signed up to that job, so do I have to take that rough with the smooth as well, you know? I think you do. If you're a dentist, until you um, until you build the dentist drone of the future, you you mm. damn well have to be there, don't you, to take my teeth out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apologies if you can hear a Halloween kind of jingle in the background going off because my uh, son has left a Halloween spooky book 
in the background, and it keeps it keeps going, going, making witch noises and things in the background, which I am maintaining my composure and calm um, throughout this conversation still, despite the nuances of of kind of working uh, in 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 that kind of non-office environment, which I might add as well. <clears throat> From someone like myself, I kind of find working in, in an office can be more distracting than it can actually working um, from 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 home or, or, or anywhere where I'm based as well. I think some of the arguments perhaps that are coming out about the many benefits of being in a, in a physical location as well, I think are quite flawed and, and lacking any evidence as well. The classic I heard early on when people were being cajoled back into office places um where if you set aside your kind of um, your personal thoughts of well is this down to uh, actually supporting me or is this down to actually making sure that there's bums on seats and paying for that high rent for that building that we've got you know oh it's better for you to be in a physical location because if you're not you'll miss out on learning opportunities you'll miss out on those water cooler conversations. <laughs> blah, 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 to quote Greta yeah. Thunberg. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think we, <clears throat> it's nice to connect. But for me, what we need to do is we need to have deliberate moments of connection now mm. rather than everybody, uh, you know, sitting on the, the same train going into the same mm. city as we've just discussed before it, it it's mm. it's mindless and it it's I, I, I suppose some of the people who are banging this drum are doing it because they've probably got money tied up in city properties mm. um but do you know you can have th- those water cooler conversations and they don't need to be in the office they might be at a local coffee shop they might be on yeah. zoom they might be on the telephone it's really about understanding what makes that individual tick um, yeah. I can remember maybe a year before the pandemic Ollie and I went to see this organization it's a huge drink soft drinks organization and we walked onto this this um, floor it was massive it was open plan and um, as we walked through I said what do these people do um, and they said, oh, these are the IT people. They're all a bit geeky. They'd all got headphones on like like you, Mike. Mm. Mm. And I looked at them and I thought, this, this is a massive group of introverts who hate being there. You, you haven't seen my other headphones, by yeah. the way. My yeah. noise cancelling ones, which yeah. are like this. <laughs> yeah. And I say, you know, put a, I've always said this, put an introvert by the lift door or by the office door and you might as well not employ them because they cannot literally be productive introverts want a bit of peace and quiet actually introverts I think often love hub working because Mm. they like to have a nice little cubby hole where they can they can get in and do the work and be productive and then every so often when they hear something quite interesting coming out, uh, going off, they'll come out and have a, a, a you know, and give their 10 penneth. And then they'll go back into their, into their little hidey hole and recoup their energy. Um, but, you know, these officers that, that we're talking about here, where the, you've got these, these um, leaders trying to uh, cajole people back into them, they are officers that were built for extroverts by extroverts 
Yes. We introverts never came into the mix. Mm. Mm. And it and and it's cutting out half the half the population. It's you know. not very inclusive, is it? If we want to talk about inclusion and inclusivity, and I just want to pick up on a few points. I think that you that I noted there from what you were saying, Ruth, some really good points. Yeah. I think it is about human-centered leadership ultimately, isn't it? As well, and it's about understanding your people. And I go beyond introverts as well, and I'd say it really delves into the whole neuroscience of the brain, then, doesn't it? Of it individuals does. as well, and there really is no 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 one size fits all model when you think about that and when you start getting into that neuroscience of, of, of the brain and your people and getting the best out of your people by understanding how their brains work yeah. as, as as well. So I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced that a lot of leaders are kind of thinking about this type of stuff when, when they're talking about their strategies for future ways of working. And when, as I've heard, as I've spoken to other people in various sectors who have perhaps been encouraged back into the office by their leaders that's coming from above yeah. and those conversations are going along the lines of well you know we can we're happy to kind of keep some element of flexibility for you to be able to kind of do the odd day working remotely but you know the steer is now for to get by people back into offices and if you just kind of show your face around at least that'll tick the box yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. what do you think about that? Is that is that a good way to kind of lead and to get the best out of your people and to grow a kind of real kind of culture within your organisation that kind I of builds so. on trust and, and, and empowered leadership? I think one of the things that I'd say about uh, people saying that, you know, you've got to go back into the office is it's telegraphing to some to to to, to the workforce that has, has prove that they can work well mm. from home it's telegraphing that you don't trust them it's exactly. either telling them telegraphing that you don't trust them or <clears throat> you sort of um uh you, you you there's a fear i suppose from from the leaders that that they won't be able to control these people so control. it could be that mm. or maybe it's it's because when they're working from home they aren't reliable or dependable so they think everybody else is like them you know <clears throat> whatever it is um they're going to lose their best people so we've we've got this great resignation which is you know they're saying that 40 percent of people across the globe are going to change their roles and so they're going to resign from their current job over the next few months but why do we think that is just to kind of come in on sorry to cut you on that yeah, just no, that great resignation i'm really glad you brought that up ruth but yeah why do you think fundamentally there is now and it's a fact right it's happening there is there's such yeah. a thing as a great resignation but but why how have we got into a position where now we're talking about a great resignation and organizations now scrambling around to think about their kind of talent retention strategies and all the rest of it. How are we going to hang on to people? Why are people wanting to leave us? Yeah, well, uh, the pandemic has made a lot of people really reevaluate their lives. Mm. Do do they want to live in Surbiton? No, they probably want to come back to Cornwall. Um, do they want to um, uh, stand with the with the head in the arm of you know somebody <laughs> on a train? Probably it's not. not. A pleasant experience. I'll um, testify. 
and and, <laughs> and do they want to commute to the office nine to five monday to friday um you know like like sheep like we used to do in in mm. the old days when we've learned that actually we can be just as productive and i think it's those sort of things that are are uh, pushing this great resignation so well, i just think the whole thing is 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 in in flux those organizations mm. like those we talked about at, at the beginning who did were able to move quickly to remote working and, and are now saying okay let's not be silly about this let's let's take the best of remote working and combine it with the best of 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 office working and, and what they're saying a lot of them is let's be deliberate i keep i keep banging this drum but i'm hearing leaders saying let's be deliberate on the collaboration and the connection let's and that's not... the key isn't it i think yeah as well Ruth. yeah it's not authentic what i'm hearing a lot of it for that kind of going back to the office there's no authenticity yeah. behind it there's no evidence behind it. there's no authenticity it doesn't serve the client's needs who you're serving either so it's about that connecting with purpose and the authenticity right because if yeah. they're if they're not there people can see straight through that right yeah. we've done this for nearly two years now we, yeah. we we brought work into our homes right uninvited yeah. for the large percentage yeah. of people but it has come and, and we've accepted that we've embraced that yeah. and in actual fact people have done organizations a favor because can you imagine if they'd have all turned around and said ah, there's no way on earth i'm doing that i don't want any kind of work in my homes yeah well where would we be it's, <laughs> it's been we've ridden on goodwill throughout the pandemic of people right yeah. you know but with that, something's got to give. Something's got to give back now. People aren't stupid. People know. People's lives have changed. And I accept that working from home or working remotely, remotely might not be for everyone. And it might be more beneficial for their well-being to actually yeah. be in that physical place. Well, I, I absolutely accept that. I, I, people often say to me that I kind of, well, what about that? I say, well, no, I absolutely accept that. Not everyone has that that kind of setup where they can do that and actually it's more detrimental to their mental health and well-being to be able to do that but let's be honest about that let's let's be honest about our strategies when we're talking about workforce planning and strategies uh, and the future ways of working and all this kind of stuff hybrid working let's bring it back to actually what is the need what is the purpose of doing that if we're asking people to do that let's be clear about that and let's not try to kind of force this one size fits all mold around everybody with a kind of but we will give you some flexibility kind of when it suits yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and I, th I think you know that they're not actually they're not doing the right thing because they're not actually looking at it from the customer pers perspective the way that customers connect with organizations has changed vastly as well so if we just go back to the nine to five monday to friday we're probably not uh, servicing the customer as effectively no. as they need to be served as well because we are that we are those customers we are the you know we might be the customers of, of morgan stanley or the financial institutions mm. That, mm. that are that are trying to push people back into the workplace and i think they're doing it because they've got some money tied up in in, mm. in city properties um and 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 actually you know i look at these these big organizations that that were feeding off the back of the commute like and, and i've got no problem with them you know like your costa coffees and your starbucks and to a certain extent you know w h smith and that sort of thing they, they were all there weren't they as part of the commute but, that, but they built their business model around that because that yeah. was the model right then so because no, nothing had ever happened to change that right you know yeah 
but now change it but they haven't done you know if i if i was in charge of costa coffee starbucks or or even wh smith i'd have purchased a fleet of ice cream vans and i'd be going around the 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 the, the towns and villages of of yorkshire and cornwall selling costa coffee and your newspaper but they've they've not done that have they some entrepreneurs have taken advantage of that and i've seen that very much so locally um which which if this kind of push to get people back into into city centers then how does that then affect affect all of those entrepreneurs that have kind yeah. of set up and kind of actually realised that there's a market now for people? People aren't all just travelling back into in, on yeah. trains and into sitting in the cars. And let's not even get into the the climate and environmental yeah. impact of of doing that. Which is I massive. don't think we'll have enough time on on the show. <laughs> but just briefly to touch on that, I mean, how wrong is that that any leader would be sending out the message to encourage people to contribute? To climate change, to make it worse, to damage yeah. the environmental impact, and to increase our carbon footprint. Yeah. Let's not even go. I'll allow the listeners, you know, please just come in and share your reflections on that roof. But listeners, make draw your own conclusions on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, the the type of leaders that we've been dealing with are taking some of the savings that they're making from the um from the reduction in office space that they now need and they put it they they are putting it into corporate social responsibility mm. um and mm. you know they they're sponsoring people in the rainforest um to mm. to to be able to plant trees or whatever it is and mm. uh, sponsoring stuff that's happening in our oceans and that type of thing mm. and i just mm. think that it's it's made it's made a lot of leaders really reevaluate and rethink how they run the businesses how they run their workforces and sort of how they make their money. I think we're seeing a lot more good businesses emerge and, of course, they're going to attract their talent. I was just going to say that exact point, Ruth, that my daughter now is growing up and she's already at six really switched on. She's environmentally aware at six. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way on earth she would consider working for any type of organization that wasn't yeah right and this is the few, this is the workforce even way beyond that now into the teens and coming into the workforce now i switched on they're not stupid they know they understand the impact that the corporate world and the work has on the planet as well yeah and any organization that is not switched on to that and is sending out the wrong messages around that Good luck with attracting your future talent. <laughs> that, that's it, Mike. Um, and it, and and they will need a lot of good luck, and they'll throw money at it. But it it isn't. It, as we know, it's not always money that matters to people. Mm. You know, mm. there's more mm. than that. There's there's family. There's there's mm. your own well being. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's the fact that you want to be a good person a good part of society sense of purpose isn't it yeah i think yeah. as well you know i think all of those things come under that kind of sense of purpose and do you know and like I think, you said come. i was just going to say and do you know i think that this pandemic if it's done anything positive it's made us realize that we're we're all connected right across the globe and yeah. we're all reliant on one another's well-being and health yes yeah, I think there's been a sharp focus on on that, and I think that the focus is now becoming. I think we're becoming much more aware of our planet uh, and the impact on that now. I think, uh, and I certainly 
am and being a parent I've got much more kind of interest in in that too and thereby what effect am I having what what could I be doing to kind of reduce that if my employer is saying to me to do the opposite of what my values therefore are one has to question whether that's the right place for me to be as an example right you know because that then isn't aligning with my values my sense of purpose and and all the rest of it and that as you say, the pandemics, I think, brought that into some sort of clear focus, hasn't it? And, and just to share with you a little kind of sound, a little sort of story, I was chatting with my my granddad, who's getting now well on towards his uh, 90s yeah. the other day, and he was very much a kind of went to the office nine till five in his long career. Um, what did he worked he do? For, he worked for British Rail doing the timetables, making That's sure the it. trains were running on time. Yeah. And and literally Monday to Friday, nine to five, he loved it. That was his commute. He did that. He went and he did the commute. He came yeah. home. He went to the office. He did the commute. He built his life around that. But I was talking to him about that kind of that kind of well, I think that nine to five is, is dead now. He doesn't exist anymore, you know, that commuting and all this kind of stuff. I was interested in his perspective. And uh, and he said, Well, this is, you know, what well, I said, yeah, but that was in the 1950s, right? But we still, before the pandemic, we were operating in the 1950s. <laughs> you, you'd probably argue even earlier, Ruth, I'm sure. Yeah. But we were operating in, in, the, in the 2020, up to 2020, a 1950s yeah. model of working. And, and he, he said to me, yeah, but, you know, that's how I had to do my job. But I said, yeah, but, Grandad, you didn't have the technology to be able to enable you to do anything different than And he went, no. yeah, fair point. And he's getting up to nearly 90, you know. He, he got it, he gets it, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he'd done that all his life. But he said, yeah, I guess if if things, you know, what we have this guy, because he gets technology as well. If the technology was here now and kind of I could have done this or I could have, yeah, perhaps I wouldn't have done that and I wouldn't have needed to have done that, right? You yeah. Know? It comes yeah. back to that need and that purpose of doing things, right? And I think if you push it all together I think that's what we're getting much more of a focus we're getting much more of a kind of of of, of that kind of need and purpose aren't we of doing things now and not doing things just for the bloody hell sake of doing things right because that's yeah. what it was let's face it we've got to question the norms on everything because there's there's going to be better ways of doing most things and yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's there's stuff that we can build on now I think we've got to take the the good things that we've learned from the from the pandemic and some of the bad things as well and we've got to learn from the pitfalls and the failures and build on the on the positives that that we've seen come out of this and I think it'll be really interesting for over the next few years to see how how this sort of begins to to build and I I, I don't think this is the last crisis that that we're going to face in the next few years um but as leaders what we've got to do is be ready to step up to the plate the next time we've learned i would hope we've learned that we can't dilly dally around like like we did up until you know march 2020 we need Mm. to be ready and we need to be ready to move and to keep our thinking up to date as well it's a shot across our bow, isn't it? I think is yeah. what, you, what, you, what you're saying is, and if, if we those that don't learn from it, uh, they're, they're destined to fail. I think, you know, I'll come out and say it. I think it, it kind of, we're getting to the end of it, Ruth, but kind of just thinking in my mind of kind of change, because that's what it's about, right? Ultimately, yeah. it's about change. And I think back to like 
big organisations like um, like Blockbuster, for example, who had that kind of that 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 yeah. footprint model of kind of bricks and mortar model of kind yeah. of how they were going to kind of sell their product, right? Yeah. And along came little old startup Netflix kind of talking about, <laughs> you know, how they could kind of stream content and things like that. And they, they left, they laughed, it's famous, they laughed them out of the building, right? They wouldn't buy into it. We all know what happened next, right? And that's that's change, isn't it? I think that that's yeah. the kind of model of change. We're at that kind of point now where if we're hanging on to that kind of old ways of working and doing things that align with people's values, you know, people's yeah. values have changed now, then we are ultimately, we are becoming that blockbuster model aren't we and you know there are others out there who are kind of now already kind of selling that netflix model do you want to be blockbuster or do you want to be netflix that's it and that's the question isn't it and we i think we've got to break down those walls break down those barriers and and continue and i think we've got to be almost amoeba like in our adapting to the environment and to the situation as leaders and i think there's a big learning uh, piece for for leaders to be able to adapt and and overcome that fear of change that many many do do uh, struggle with to be honest you know it's that it, it's the amygdala it's a fear fight flight mm. thing mm. It, it's mm. that isn't it that that stops people from going with the flow um yeah. but there, but yeah. on the other hand there are other leaders who have adapted well and have proven yeah. that they will adapt in the future adaptability yeah. is huge a huge yeah. um skill to have in this new world for sure there's some great examples of some great leadership out there now yeah. uh, as well uh, and, and those are the organizations that will that will hoover up the talent yeah yeah, yeah. Right? they will be like a magnet the, the talent will just just go to them because yeah. they will be aligned with their values they're, they're doing the right things they're acting in the right way and they trust their people right yeah you know, and 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 that speaks volumes um, in terms of what people want from that relationship. Because don't forget, it is a relationship with work yeah. and what that actually means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm right on the same page with you, Mike. <laughs> we could this could go on for hours, um, Ruth, but I am my, I am mindful about. We did set some sort of parameters, didn't we? Yeah. Before we got going, and we said we'd kind of keep it. It's kind of uh, short and focused. We've covered a lot of ground, I think, in in this podcast, and I'm, I've really enjoyed the conversation with you. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I've really, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Ruth. Well, we've been promising to do this for some time, haven't we? So, you know, I think it's, I think it, it's, it's been great to, um, to sort of get it off our chests, in in actual fact. <laughs> it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. I'll be honest with you. Um, I just in, in, in kind of final thoughts, Ruth, do you want to kind of share with our listeners who might want to find out more about what you do and how they can connect with you and learn about that? How can how could our listeners out there who want to do that do that? Well, there's a couple of ways actually. Um, as you know, Mike, we're doing the third festival of smart work, which is both um, online, so virtual, and face to face from Cornwall. So we'll have a live studio audience with um, Ollie leading the um, the discussions. Um, and so they can sign up to that uh, through Eventbrite or through um, www.smartworkingrevolution.com or find me on LinkedIn. I've, I've, I've um, put a few... We'll get the uh, links off your roof and we can post them in the, yeah, uh, yeah, in, I'll in the do, kind of narrative I'll, around this show. Well, we've got Peter Cheese speaking. from CIPD and we've got um, Nicola Millard the BT Futurist speaking 
Um, yeah. And then, you know, one one or two other of the of the clients that we've been working with over the pandemic are going to be sharing what we've what we've been doing. So I'd, I'd really say to you, you know, get get involved. If you've got any employers out there <clears throat> that are struggling with recruitment, Cornwall Council and the EU have given us a grant mm. and this grant is to train up people in Cornwall to work remotely because we know that there's there's lots of hidden talent here. Uh, so we're training them up, giving them the skills to work remotely. We're not a, a, a we're not a recruitment agency. We won't charge for it. You'll get yeah. people ready to work remotely if that's what you want. Mm. Uh, but they will come from Cornwall because that's where the, the grant is. But I tell you yeah. what, Mike, it wouldn't be a bad idea to to do it because you could. Um, jump on the plane, come down and interview them and then maybe go for a bit of a surf. <laughs> I'm not encouraging anyone to jump on planes, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. On, the, on the night bus. On, yeah, on, 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 on the, uh, the most <laughs> environmentally friendly uh, yeah. way of travel. But yeah, no. It's a very, very good point. And I think, you know, um, investing in people to have those skills to be able to work uh, in that way uh, just just creates just a much more broader base of talent regardless of where they are in the country yeah. that's almost irrelevant right you know it's kind of the talent that's out there who otherwise wouldn't be able to be connected yeah. with the workforce right yeah well we're starting with this what we call it the the smart towns and villages concept we're starting in cornwall because they've given us a uh a grant to train people up but we can do this anywhere in the country yeah. you know we can we we can get it means that it levels up the playing field yeah. so it's not all about cities it's not all about london birmingham and manchester it can be about wales it can be about yorkshire it can be about mm. cornwall it can mm. be about kent it can be about yeah. norfolk if they if they get their their wi-fi sorted out by the way and it just goes back to your point about people being able to have that better quality of life as well. So, yeah. for example, if I lived in Settle, which is a remote village in the Yorkshire Dales, yeah, does that mean that I still haven't got the talent and skills and capability that I've got and I couldn't do a job somewhere just because of where I live? I don't yeah. think so. Do you? No, it's, it's absolutely right. You know, and, and some of these, particularly the coastal areas, are deprived. And, and it's a way of really levelling up the prosperity of the, mm. the country as well. So I think, you know, as leaders, we, we should be um, looking at what we can do to make this a, a, a better society um, across yeah. the whole of the UK, not just in those those big cities. And actually, people aren't wanting the big cities full time any longer. They want a bit of space and and, mm. uh, and big skies. So, you know, let's try and sort it out for people. I'm on board, Ruth. I'm on board. <laughs> oh, it's been brilliant talking to you. It, it has. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and and thank you so much for uh, for giving up your time, um, and for being the first guest on this second season of yeah. the Well and Deep podcast. I'm sure our listeners will uh, will really enjoy the conversation as much as as much as I have. Yeah. And for our listeners to to connect with you, they can find you on LinkedIn, and I think they can find. Ollie, Ollie, do you want to give Ollie's full name for our listeners' benefit so they can connect with him on LinkedIn too? Uh, yeah, Oliver Thompson is our Director of Revolution. I mean, what a job title. That is amazing. It's an amazing <laughs> job.
job title. I'm very jealous of that as a job title. <laughs> um, yeah, so connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can connect with us at www.smartworkingrevolution.com. Um, and don't forget, you know, um, why don't you rock up at our lovely uh, third festival of smart working? Because uh, we're going to have some fun. Highly recommended. Highly recommended to our listeners to to do that and to find and to find out the details online and and to to sign up for that. It'll be an absolute blast, and you'll learn lots. Yeah. So and it's uh, complimentary as well. Exactly, listeners. It, it's free. I mean, what more do you want? You've got you've got you've got roof. You've got Ollie. You've got smart working, and it's free. It's and Peach it's virtual. Peach pizza cheese. You know, it's it's everything. <laughs> HR royalty, it is. It, it, it really is. It really is. It'll be an absolute blast. I'd really recommend it to people and to really go and learn about actually what smart working actually means um, as well. And, you know, find out more in your own context as well. I think it's a really great opportunity for people to do that. So listen, Ruth, um, we could chat yeah. all day, but I'm mindful of time. I just want, again want to just say thank you so much for being my guest on the, the podcast uh, today it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure i've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, thank you and take care of yourself and my best wishes to to ollie yeah me too i've thoroughly enjoyed it thanks so much for inviting me mike it's lovely to catch up with you and we must do this in person next time you're yes. down my neck of the woods yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep that as a promise all right take care thank you very much Well, that was a great show, right? I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed the conversation. If you're enjoying the Be Brilliant People podcast, don't forget to spread the word. Subscribe via your favourite podcast player of choice and also share. Spread the word. The Be Brilliant People podcast with me, Mike Bedford. Thanks for listening.